What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest CSG podcast. This is uh, not a Mortcast. This is actually CSG. So all the way down in the southeast of uh, Denver, I mean, basically somewhere in the vicinity of the suburbs, uh, is a man whose voice you should know. Um, he is the, the, the reason all of us bloggers in Denver were credentialed, uh, my friend, former co-writer, and as I said, and not intending it to be a pun, uh, trailblazer <laughs> for the Denver Nuggets, bloggers, all of us out here, uh, and uh, just one of my good friends, it is Nate Anklesocks Timmons. Hello, Timmons. How are you? pretty good it's nice to talk to you the king of thornton That's jeff right. morton okay can you settle something for me um yeah. was it you or ross that created the king of thornton thing because i can't remember i feel like it was me i feel it was you could have been ross it could it could have been ross but i think it was you i i we, there's been over 500 episodes of this podcast going back for 10 years so I don't have the patience to go back and listen to a whole bunch of episodes from 2012 or 11 to understand how this was. Um, someone, someone came up to me. I was, it's interesting you're on here now because I, someone came up to me. and was like, oh, so how long you've been podcasting? And I went, oh, my God. Uh, I said, 10 years, they go, really? Why haven't I heard of you? And I went, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I always I often listen, you know, I don't listen to Joe Rogan as much anymore, but I'll still catch him reminiscing about the early podcasting days. Bill Simmons does it all the time. Bill Simmons acts like he was podcasting back when there were still covered wagons. And I'm like, we weren't too far behind those guys, honestly, because no. I think Rogan had only been out for, maybe a couple of years because that's where me and Ross and I were like, I started listening to Rogan when I was driving back and forth from Casper to Denver when I lived in Wyoming for a year and then uh, I linked up with Ross and I really wanted to do a podcast and he right. did as well. You know, and then. Well, yeah, that's, you well, that's right. Because I, I was the, I was the guy who was on once a month for like right. for a, a long like, time. Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, it was like, Jeff comes on, we'll talk Nuggets. Right. Because we were doing all sports and uh, all kinds of garbage at that point. But, yeah, we had all the top five lists. But, yeah, it was a good time. Well, you know, the funny thing about this is, like, I, I, I was thinking about it. And now that there's podcasts are ubiquitous, like, everyone has a podcast now. Uh, like Literally everyone. Uh, yeah. And it's like, I, I, if you're under the age of, uh, I don't know, 35, you've probably had a podcast and tried podcasting at one time. Um, I, I am a little on the old side to be podcasting by myself at this point in time, but there is a, there's just kind of this weird thing because I remember when you and Ross first started it and I think we're coming up October, I think is 10 years. Uh, it was 2011. I think you guys first did it in October or September of that year because for whatever reason, by the way, the first 18 episodes of this podcast are, I don't know what happened to them. So it starts at episode 19. Ross probably has them locked away somewhere. But yeah, because it was, I moved back to Colorado in March and I met Ross at Wash Park randomly at a, like a barbecue on like the 4th of July, I think, something like that. But I'd actually, I went to high school with Ross's wife. I ran into her and she was like, oh my God, my husband wants to meet you because you read your guys's 
Denver stiff side all the time. Right. And then I was talking to him. Ross was hammered drunk. <laughs> hammered. So we just started kind of talking and then we exchanged numbers and he was like, man, I'm doing, he was doing a podcast with his wife. They're doing the bride and groom podcast about his wedding. That's right. He was so desperate for a podcast. That's what they were doing. So me and him talked, we linked up. Uh, yeah, we had some fun times too. Cause maybe in those first ep 18 episodes, this might've been when we did like Carl Mecklenburg, when we randomly called his house at 1030 at night, we've been drinking Dale's pale ales and we just called this number that said it was Mecklenburg's like office it ended up being his house. His wife answered and we're like, is Carl there? And she puts him on the phone. It's like 1030 at night. It was great. Uh, we, went to, uh, we went to Gary Miller's house and did a podcast with him, the old sports anchor. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I remember that. Les Hero had him on several times and then, yeah, I don't know. It was crazy. It was, Les, was, uh, Les was great because Les made fun of Ross. Um, remember he, he, <laughs> He made some comment about the flag. Remember that big Colorado flag that uh, Ross had in that room we podcasted in? I think his wife's, uh, I think Ross's mother-in-law had made that for them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just made a, on the, on the podcast, some comment about it being like a homemade craft that Ross did or something like that. I remember, Ross, <laughs> I remember explaining to like, asking Wilson Chandler and then Jordan Hamilton if they wanted to do the podcast. Jordan Hamilton, by the way, is still playing basketball overseas. He? he just won a championship, I think, in China. Uh, hit, wow. hit some big shots in the playoffs. He looks like he's their star player out there. It looks pretty cool. Um, but I remember trying to explain to those guys what a podcast was. I'm like, it's basically like radio, but we're not live. You know, it's recorded and then it goes out on the internet, like all over the world. And they're like, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I can see Wilson not being too connected with that. Knowing Wilson the way I do, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he's like, yeah, whatever, man. That's, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, sure, whatever. He was like getting stretched on the floor, and I was asking him in the locker room if he wanted to do it. He's like getting his hamstring stretched out or something. Uh, yeah, good times though. Uh, I got, I got some, I got some great Wilson Chandler stories. And one day I'll be able to tell. One day I'll be able to tell. Uh, to the uh, Simmons and Ryan Rusillo were on, and they were talking about a story with. Uh, Jalen Rose and they're talking they're like well we don't can't really say the player but when Jalen Rose was you know a rookie in the middle of the night he had to go out and buy condoms for one of the players and I'm like yeah it was Dikembe Mutombo yeah. yeah that's kind of a fun <laughs> story I thought like like why is Rosillo's not putting a name on Mutombo there like who wants to sex the Mutombo <laughs> like in a rock <laughs> uh, he, was it he used to do Mutombo and Shannon Sharp right uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I can't really imagine though uh, Dikembe being a you know a big player out there on the uh, Denver nightlife. You know what I mean? Such as it is. Right? <laughs> seven foot two. Yeah. Uh, no, it's funny. Or, I, I I I was thinking about it because you know the Denver Nuggets are in the playoffs again, and uh, I was thinking back to when you and I were covering uh, the mellow slash post-trade nuggets and thinking about, oh, going to the playoffs was just like a regular thing because uh, it happened all the time when Melo was there and then it continued afterwards. And then it, it just occurred to me how weird it was like having this, like, I think it was, was it a six-year gap between playoff appearances? Yeah. 
and trying to remember back to when the Nuggets were consistently in the playoffs, when you and I were like having to write these game previews and recaps of all these freaking Nuggets games going through 82 seasons with Andy and uh, how much work we put into Tim for Stiffs with the, just the three of us. Right. <laughs> I, I tell the story all the time of me covering the uh, uh, Timberwolves in 2000. Oh, I forget when it was. Late 2000s. 2000, maybe 2010. Uh, and I'm having the unfortunate displeasure of every single Minnesota Timberwolves game I had to cover. And it, by, the, by the fourth one, I was burned out. Because it was yeah. because having to watch because you know we don't see every game during this eighty two season you just you, you unless you're working in it you can't and I I just I remember by day, game four I sent you and Andy an email saying like that's it that's the yeah, last that's, one I am going to cover I, I cannot write the preview <laughs> going to do this and Andy got such a kick out of that. It was, yeah, it was like, like I don't know if it was a stress leave for bloggers, but I think Jeff might need to take it. Worse. <laughs> going out on stress leave for free blogging. Uh, was that is this the uh, is this the skinniest Carmelo Anthony has ever been in his career? He almost I hardly even recognized him with the Blazers. He looks great. Yeah, you know, it was funny because I remember Melo his last season. No, in two thousand eight nine, he actually slimmed down a lot and, and got a lot of muscle. And then his the 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 not the following season, but the season afterwards, he ballooned up again. And then he went to New York and he got fat. <laughs> well, remember his like I think it was maybe his second or third season. He had a couple off seasons with Steve Hess, and when he came back, he was always wanting to have his shirt off because he was like getting close to having like a six pack. Remember, I think he even did like the Mile High Sports magazine cover right, shirtless. Right. Right, and it was a big deal because Melo was like proud of his body, you know. And I mean, if you see some of Melo's family members, like you know, there's nothing wrong with it. But he's got some larger family members in his family, and so I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, it always did seem like keeping the weight off was going to be tough for him throughout his career, and it was. Uh, but yeah, he looked great with the Blazers, at least from a physical standpoint, you know. So yeah, he did. He did, but uh, I mean, he's got the right role for him. Uh, did you were you able to see most of the games in the series? Yeah, and it was like he's finally, you know, and this is kind of similar to Austin Rivers with the Nuggets. Like, they finally accepted that they have to play a role. Right. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not Rivers all so much, but uh, Melo has almost finally accepted the fact that okay, I'm no longer as you know as good as LeBron James in my own head. You know, like okay, maybe I'm not LeBron anymore. I have to accept a role. Well, now that now that I have you on this, could, did, were you aware of the controversy? Uh, your your boy Mark Spears got uh, took umbrage to Nuggets fans booing Mello in uh, yeah. in game one and 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 like I had to explain to people it's like look it's just because he just it, it, let fans be fans because they're gonna do whatever they want to right well if there's like a, you know there's like a, you'd say a coach is a player's coach like Mark Spears is a player's reporter you know absolutely he was very close with a lot of the players I mean he kind of he came at things from a very well, not very different, but he comes at reporting more so from like the ex-jock player side of things than right. he would from like the fan perspective for sure. So I could get it because, I mean, 
whenever he saw Spears around, he was like really close with players and, you know, he took that relationship seriously. And so I, I could see him being, I mean, he was out of touch with that, obviously. And it's kind of funny, like, will the fans ever stop booing Melo? They never stopped booing Kobe when he came through, you know? No. Now, now, obviously there's, I, I, there's different circumstances. Yeah, obviously there's a, <laughs> on the level of, of thing of incidents, uh, but. You almost I, wonder, is it like, do they still, is there still a large dislike of Mello or is it just kind of like, well, this is just what you do when Mello comes to town. There's like a few people who are like, Hey, we'll lead the booze. Cause we'd still do hate him. And the other people just join in. Cause it's like, Hey, this is just tradition now. You know, it's like a tradition. The only thing that bugged me. And I think it's just fans are just booing him. I, I don't think there's any personal animus left. I mean, it's been 10 years. I mean, yeah, you saw that Twitter video I sent you though, where that fan was like filming it as he was cussing Carmelo out. That's that was New York, Mello, you beep, beep. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's really letting him have it. And then he, Mello came back out of the tunnel to whoever the fans were right above the tunnel there. I mean, he was getting into it with them. You know, right. that was that – was, It was amazing. You, I remember I went to a, the Oklahoma City Nuggets playoff game, and Feinstein, Andy, actually gave us uh, his tickets to one of the games, and I took my buddy Rory – and my buddy was yelling at James Harden so much when it was Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. They were walking off the court at halftime, and Harden finally just stopped and looked at my friend because my friend was just letting him have it. And we were like, we won. We got to him. You know what I mean? Like, we got a reaction out of him. Like, that's what, you know, what he wanted. It was, it was incredible. I was like, this was amazing, dude. You got James Harden to give you a death stare for screaming at him incessantly for an entire half. I, 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 isn't isn't uh, 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 Rory your baseball friend? Like uh, like uh, uh, doesn't he like uh, you big, big into the Rockies as I remember, right? Uh, he, big into all Colorado sports, including Colorado State University. Colorado State, yes, that one too. Yeah, yes. Michigan, yeah. Uh, the Rockies, the Avalanche. Yeah, you say something. CU can't stand them, but you say anything <laughs> to them about. You know, Colorado sports, he's going to let you have it. He's going to come after you. You know, I, 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 I was thinking about it, and, like, I, I have no personal animus towards Car Carmelo Anthony. I told a story on the podcast a couple of days ago about, remember that uh, get-together that uh, um, Andy and I went to that the Nuggets had at the big game? There was this place in downtown Denver called the Big Game. Yeah, the place was awesome, by the way. Yeah. And uh, it was I, I, oh, right I, on his face. Yeah, was I, there for a year. Yeah, <laughs> I think it folded like a month after we were there. I, I, I think that's how quickly it went out of business. And yeah. I will never forget walking in there and seeing Mello and how isolated he was right at the end of uh, the, the kind of the, this was like a month before he was traded. So this was January, 2011. And um, I remember he was like by himself in a darkened corner. It was so odd, but he was just separate from everyone else. Kenyon Martin was sitting at the, one of the gaming tables, you know, yucking it up with fans. And uh, I met, that's the first time Scott and I, Scott Hastings and I uh, had a long conversation. But anyway, told a story about George Carl coming over and pointing a finger in my face and saying something like, you better, I better, you know, know what he said, you better write something about Carmelo Anthony uh, dogging it at practice. <laughs> yeah. Pointing at me. And I'm like, <laughs> like that's the first time, you know, a coach had, I, I'd ever had been in that position before. And then I looked it up on 
old stiffs. I, there, there's an article. It was one of those Golden Nuggets articles that we used to write. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just there was this like the first two three paragraphs were about me slagging Mello for <laughs> talking in a practice, and I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard you. You were telling this story when you had um, the amazing Matt Moore on on the podcast. That's right. That's right. It was when Matt was on. I was thinking immediately. I'm like Jeff. This goes against everything journalistic integrity. <laughs> one person's word. You got to get the other side on this. Like, is he really dogging it? Who knows? Like, and of course, I wouldn't do that now because I, there was a bunch of stuff that I learned at that night uh, that I would never talk about publicly. But I mean, it was it was just for whatever reason I did it, and then I like never that never happened again. I learned my lesson because right after I wrote it, I'm like, what are you fucking idiot? What do you I thought that uh, I mean, people. If people missed that podcast that you did with Matt Moore, I thought Matt Moore summed up how Nuggets fans should feel about Carmelo like absolutely perfectly. I thought he did a phenomenal job of really explaining why. Yeah, Nuggets fans can, should, and probably will always be mad at Carmelo. And then the the whole fact of Jokic and Melo have like having the same number is kind of crappy, but also hilarious at the same time because yeah, you can't yeah. retire Melo's number. Because you're going to retire Jokic's number, right? You know, he's Jokic is on pace to be the greatest Nugget of all time. Right. You know, is he going to surpass David Thompson, Alex English? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in my opinion, he's already way past Carmelo. I mean, yeah, right. they haven't. You know, he gets to the finals this season, and yeah, you can put him above Melo right now. But Melo never won a league MVP. He got close. I, I feel like he was maybe in the conversation. One year, I don't think he ever actually was in the conversation, but I feel like he could have been. He was maybe in, the Western Conference Finals year. He was in the running the year after the Western Conference Finals. Remember, he had that blazing start to the year. Um, that's the he year. He over Millsap and that's right. The, I'm back. He was thumping his chest, you know, like that. Really uh, get over the rim, Mello. Get out of here. <laughs> yes, yes. Any dunk for Mello is is uh, it was a cause for celebration because <laughs> it happened right. frequently. Um, but uh, no, I, I mean, I'm just, he's Jokic. Go ahead. They're the same player. They can't dunk. No, just kidding. Yeah, this is true. Um, uh, so we could kind of get into like you know modern stuff because I I I don't have Nate on here all the time to uh, reminisce. So we need to talk about what's going now. What's going on now in 2021? Right. Not not 2011, which which you know. Or 2010. I I'm trying to think of when I joined Denver Stiffs, and I and I don't remember. And I'm gonna. I it's the only. You're kind of always there in the comment section. At least. I well, I was, and this is this is uh, you know Zach uh, Mikash was Zach M and with some numbers after it, and it was him and me and Running Donut, who was <laughs> who was uh, Charlie. Uh, Charlie Yao, was that Running Donut? Yeah. Okay. And all of us were commenters on both Pickaxe and Roll and uh, FireGeorgeCarl.com. Right. So uh, Zach, when he finally gave up writing about two, three months ago, I uh, was like, man, I'm like the only uh, former Stiffs commenter from back in 2009 and 2008 that's still quasi in media <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of depressing when you think about it <laughs> uh, 
so I, I think that I think when I look at this Denver Nuggets team, I wonder because of Jamal Murray's injury is, uh, do you think uh, Nate Timmons, the former media member covering the Denver Nuggets, do you think that this Nuggets team, anything they accomplish, even up to and including winning the series against the Blazers is like gravy on top of, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to almost consider it that way because I mean, you look at the bubble last year and how explosive Jamal was, and he kind of came on the scene as, you know, he was Jamal and uh, Donovan Mitchell had this epic series where they're each going mono e mono, putting up these monster points. And then it's like, okay, now the Nuggets are going to head into next season with Jamal taking that step forward. Michael Porter Jr. is finally going to get a solidified role on the team, should probably start all season. You know, you had all these aspirations of the Nuggets now have their two and do they possibly have the third guy right and then dude honestly when that when jamal got injured i mean you saw the injury it was just like almost the same feelings as, as gallinari going down mm-hmm. uh, that season when the nuggets you know made that epic run with andre Godala, and you're just like all it's just like all the wind was taken out of your sails and it's like right. how are they going to do this right. you know and then Jokic plays the way that he did the rest of the way and it's just like oh my God, maybe, you know, you just keep some uh, competent players around Jokic and you can pretty much make a run at this with whomever, you know, is that, is that maybe going to be the case? But yeah, like now, and then you start looking at the Lakers are out, you know, the Clippers are going to seven now in Dallas, you have Utah and you have Phoenix. And it's like, it's almost like, fuck, if they had Jamal, we'd be right there. You know, this would be our season. It's like, everything's breaking, you know? And it's like, can they do this with Austin Rivers and Kim Pazzo and, you know, is Will Barton going to maybe come back at some point? Like what, what's happening here? You know, can they make a run at this thing without the full fledged team? I mean, it's happened in the past, right? Like teams have won championships without their, you know, a top tier guy. Like I think it would be, it would almost be bittersweet to do it without Jamal. I mean, we've seen that before, you know, Drew Bledsoe didn't win a championship with the Patriots. It was Tom Brady. You know, there's been guys get replaced or whatever and don't win a title with their team, and it, it kind of sucks. I know I'm missing, like, there's got to be some great example of that recently, semi-recently, that I'm not thinking of. But well, it would it, suck. Well, you remember Bledsoe, he, they won the title that year. He got injured, and he won them the championship game that year. Didn't he? They beat Pittsburgh, and he was the quarterback because uh, Brady got injured uh, during, the, during the Pittsburgh game. So Bledsoe came in. And they won the championship game against Pittsburgh, against Cordell Stewart in Pittsburgh, um, uh, because of Drew Bledsoe. So he got a ring, but he just didn't play in the Super Bowl. Right. And it's been it's been kind of it's been crazy because you see like, uh, and this has been talked about obviously, but with Austin Rivers, he has that same confidence as a Jamal Murray, right? Like mm-hmm. he's thinks he's as good as anybody. And, you know, there's this, you know, kind of the kick up of, oh, this is kind of a feel-good story of, you know, the coach's pampered son who went to Duke and had all this praise on him throughout his entire career. And he's like, I've learned so much when I was away from the game. It's like, well, he wasn't on a team for, what, a month, a couple months? Like, 
you know, how much could you really learn about yourself in that time? Maybe there's a little self-reflection, but not that different. Like, let's not kid ourselves, but you do have a guy with Rivers now who does have that confidence of Jamal, who's not afraid to take shots and he's making shots. So it's like, you are missing a lot with not having Jamal there, but you kind of, have, you know, Malone and the front office have done a good job of patching together you know, kind of an emergency run here or taping the, you know, the, the nuggets are rolling along with duct tape and whatever, you know, how long can this thing hold together? Well, back in 2016, when they drafted uh, Jamal and up to about 17, you and I talked frequently on the podcast about how Jamal needed to take a star turn for the nuggets to take a, you know, that next leap. And what I wasn't counting on at the time was Jokic going basically supernova because I, I, I'll be honest with you, you know, Marez takes a lot of credit for uh, being the guy who was first on, first on Nikola Jokic. Um, I, I will say that uh, um, you and I uh, were not necessarily on the horse, but we got a lot of information about Jokic before he came over and I was not, even with that, I was not anticipating what he has become. I had no clue. I well, had even, no uh, clue. I remember like the first real post I saw that had the video of Jokic, like we all kind of had seen it at the same time, but Kalen Dermo uh, was all over Jokic as well, just being like, look at this guy. He's a seven-foot point guard. And it was like, my God, he is going full court in these pink uniforms. I was just say the pink you know? uniforms is what stood, stood out to me. I'll just never forget those pink uniforms that they wore. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's like yeah we you just didn't know what you had and it was so funny watching that Blazers series and seeing what the Nuggets could have had with Nurkic and what they do have with Jokic you know because mm -hmm. that was that first year with Nurkic you know he's guarding Kobe one-on-one -on -one, he's stripping the ball from him it's like this kid might be excellent you know he, I think he made a three at some point he's throwing those backdoor alley-oops out near like the top of the free throw line and it's like man this Nurkic guy he might be something you know and then fast forward a few years down the road and Nurkic is fouling out in 25 minutes a game and right. Jokic just toying with this guy. And it's like, my God, like the trajectory of those two just went completely not, you know, Nurkic is still, you know, of some importance, but it's like, my God, if Jokic hadn't come around and we were still with Nurkic. This team's not even sniffing the second round of the playoffs. Well, well think of this. And, and, and have you ever asked, uh, thought of this? Remember his rookie year, uh, it was, his rookie year was the year Shaw got fired, I, I believe. And remember that he got injured that season. He tore, partially tore his patella. Yeah. And if he didn't get injured, would they have brought Jokic over? And I've, I've gone back and thought about that over and over again, how fortunate it was because you know, Nurkic didn't come back to the Nuggets until I think a month into the next season basically I think that's where it was um, so if Nurkic doesn't get injured I'm wondering and this is just in hindsight I'm wondering if if they would have called him over if they if Jokic maybe have, would have been at Megalex for another another year after that and that's why they say Jeff the timing is everything. This is very true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the lore of Jokic. But yeah, I mean, Adam was a, a huge fan of him as well. I remember we were watching Jokic's first summer league out in Vegas and we we're sitting 
you know, next to each other underneath the hoop. And we're just watching this guy like, man, he's, you know, just, ah, he's just so different. You know, like you hear Sim Bill Simmons is always wanting to compare Jokic to Dirk Nowinski mm -hmm. and just always, you know, trying to compare this Nuggets team to that 2011 Dallas team that won the title, you know, that kind of had things break right for him, this, that. And it's like, I mean, he's just such a different player to me than even Dirk is. Yeah, they have some similarities with how they score the basketball, you right. know, but, I mean, I don't know. I, Jokic is just, you know, the whole pull – he's like a – the polo thing really stands out. Like, the way he just holds that ball and slings it one-handed and just – I don't know. I kind of always felt like growing up, like, I, I could see, like, guys weren't good passers when we played basketball. And I was always right. a pretty good passer. Right. And it's just kind of something that I had, you know, and it's yeah. like, he obviously has that to the extreme, you know? Well, can you, can you think about this though? I mean, could you as Nate Timmons circa 2015, 14, let's go back to 14 when they drafted him, right? You and I were at that uh, draft uh, draft and I always tell the story about uh, Connolly lecturing us for not, asking any questions about Jokic. <laughs> I remember he straightened his suit. He put on his jacket, he straightened his suit, and he looked down, and he, and he just put out his arms. He said, no one's going to ask about Jokic? And he was standing there, and he, then he looked at me. And I'm like, so I went over, and I said, like, oh, well, I don't know anything about the guy. I mean, uh, let's face it, he was uh, drafted when they were, there was a Taco Bell commercial on, so we didn't have a ton, of, <laughs> ton to go on. Yeah. And I always – think back on that and and like i said like nate timmons going back 2014 you and i were both at that draft you know uh and going through that season would there would we have any concept of how good he would be now from back then i don't i don't know if we just in the general media as you and me who were around right then would have any idea that he, this guy would become this because uh uh, I think Adam is rightfully saying that he was on at first. I, I'm, I'm fully mea culpa. I had no idea. You know, I, I had no right. clue. So there was even that point in time where we were like, how are they going to be able to play Nurkic and Jokic together? Like, can Jokic actually be a power forward? Does he yeah, move right. well enough to be a power forward, you know? And mm -hmm. he can shoot, it seems like. It seems like he can kind of, you know, Yes, we could see that he could go the length of the court with the ball and kind of be a little bit of a point guard. But you're like, once you put him into the NBA game, he's not going to be able to do that. He's just doing that over in some far off Adriatic league that no one's seen besides, you know, probably Rafi Juke, Tommy Balsettis, Connolly, and uh, uh, Bulls Jim, Arturis. Oh, Arturis Carcelis Bulls Jim. Like, I mean, these guys saw him to some degree. You know, right. they were able to get over there and look at him a little bit, but it's like, did they even, you know, you just, that's where it's like, I remember the thing that I always loved talking to the coaching staff about, whether it was, you know, Melvin Hunt or just any, any Nuggets coach was like, how, how do you, how does player development work? Is it, you know, do you guys feel like you develop players? Is it all on the player? Is it a combination? Like you just never know how a guy and, I listen to a lot of the uh, – I watch a lot of the Pat McAfee show now, mm -hmm. the ex-pointer of the Colts. And yeah. uh, A.J. Hawk and Pat McAfee are always just like, you just don't know how a guy's going to be. You know, you give them all this money, you give them fame, and you don't know what their mindset's going to be and what their mentality's going to be. And, I mean, Jokic, his mentality is just phenomenal. I mean, that's 
what we always used to talk about with guys like Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they just have this different kind of mindset and mentality. And Jokic is, you know, different from those guys, obviously, in the way he handles his business. And, but at the same time, he has the same kind of mindset as them, I think, as well, where you can even see him. Mean, he still has those moments where, and even this year, this entire season, that competitiveness in him, I think, has been mm-hmm. uh, on display. I mean, you saw it back when he was first playing like Carl Anthony Towns. You know, there's this kind of – they went at each other a few times and stuff. And it's like, right. okay, Yoke does have this because that's when we didn't really know how much is his killer instinct. And that's when you started seeing, okay, this guy is ultra competitive. And then, obviously, the story was blown up um, at first with Jokic and his brothers. These guys used to beat the crap out of him. They all wrestle all the time, and they instilled this mindset in him. And people think he's soft, and it's like, no, this guy's the furthest from it. He's from a, you know, a country where you're not, you can't be soft and make it out of there, you know? Well, very true. And, you know, I was thinking about this too, because, you know, kudos to guys like Kalen and, and, and Adam for, for picking up on something that I could never pick up on. And I think some of it was a lot of, of Euro skepticism that I retained from as a long-term Nuggets fan, just dealing with the skeetish wheelies and the Redsiuses of the world, where you're like, well, you just kind of get learned to be distrustful of it. But there was something in that draft. And, you know, you, like I said, you and I were both there. And because uh, I'll never forget, you were, we, we did the year before. It was Ben Hockman's last draft. I don't know if you remember the 2013 draft. And the Nuggets ended up selling off their first round pick basically to the, the Utah Jazz because they didn't want to have any more guaranteed contracts on the roster. So right. it ends up being Rudy Gobert, you know, in 2013. And then they end up, but in the, the reason I bring that up is because in the second round of the draft, they get Joffrey Laverne and Eric Green. Yeah. Yeah. And then we kept reading, you know, talking about King, it. Joffrey. King Joffrey. Yeah. And uh, we, I remember the first time we had Tim Conley on, we taught, he talked extensively about his history with European scouting and how that kind of shaped a lot of his worldview on it. And I look back on that now and I think if Tim Conley with Arturis Karnasovas, Raffle Juke, uh, Tommy Balchettis, all these guys, if there wasn't that and that ability to scout like that, would Jokic even be on this team? Whose radar was he on? in 2014 you know right yeah would he have been like a campazo where he didn't come over until you know the latter half of his career or something you know who knows some other teams yeah. liked him or not you know maybe a guy like masai ujiri had seen him or something who knows you know it's yeah. crazy it, it, it's just it's just insane and then but you know as much as other people got were ahead of the the curve on on Jokic, I think, you know, I don't think I've ever had the chance to ask you about uh, Porter, Michael Porter Jr. And he, he came in ultra hyped and didn't have a lot of tape on him from college because he got injured and all this stuff and had two back surgeries. Um, now that it's been three years into his career, uh, what are your thoughts on, on Porter as, as whatever potential you think he has? There's always two. There is this... Uh kind of a just a bad personal history with me and the Nuggets draft where like the year the Nuggets took Nene I wanted them so badly to take Ron Butler and I felt like I felt almost like they passed on him twice and I was like 
how, how, like, why did you not take this guy? And then recently, you know, with Conley in town, like they got Emmanuel Moutier. I was ecstatic when they got Emmanuel Moutier. And that was the guy I wanted. When they got Jamal Murray, I was beside myself when they were able to get Jamal Murray, you know, mm -hmm. my favorite guy at, in college the season before. And then Michael Porter Jr. is just like, oh, my God, I hope this guy, once he started, you know, if you want to call it falling because of the back injury, it's like, oh, my God, if they can get this guy, like, this is the best flyer in the world to take. And you just didn't think it would be possible that he would even be there. And then when he was there, it was like, well, are they just going to follow a suit with everybody else and just pass on him? And they didn't. And it was like, we talked about this before, that if the Nuggets were going to become a title contending team, they were going to have to try some stuff outside of the box because right. they didn't have the first pick in the draft. They didn't have the ability to sign the best free agent out there. And they did. They hit on Jokic. They have hit on Jamal Murray. And then all of a sudden you get Michael Porter Jr. falls into your lap. You take him and you get rewarded for it with the way he's playing. Um, I saw the stats that were posted the other day about side by side between Porter and Kevin Durant. And they're, you know, I think Travis Heath had either put it out or had retweeted it. Right. And yeah, there's some context to it. You know, you got to be like, well, Kevin Durant was, you know, forced to shoot a lot in Seattle because his team was dog shit. But at the same time, you have Michael Porter who has accepted the role as kind of the second fiddle or even the third fiddle, depending on, you know, if Jokic and Jamal are there. Right. And he's incredible. I mean, he's absolutely incredible. You can't guard him. You can't. You're never going to block his shot. Yes, he still, you know, will make – bad plays on defense. He gets lost a little bit here and there. He doesn't have, you know, his body's still kind of gangly and you like that young Kevin Durant, you know, like kind of the gangly body, maybe he doesn't mm -hmm. have full control of it, but easily one of the most exciting players to watch as well. Cause when he's shooting well, it's just like, Oh my God. And he hits those shots. He hit that turnaround the other night. Um, I think to tie the game where he hit that little like step back fade. And it was just like, that's not going in. It goes in and he has incredible <laughs> touch, you know, uh, he's just, he's fun to watch, man. I mean, he's just, it's like, he can put up 50 if he wants. It seems like, you know, you know, what's interesting to me is that, is that um, remember people who are, don't adequately remember Kevin Durant. One of the reasons Kevin Durant became Kevin Durant is because those, that Seattle team he was on his rookie year was so bad. And I mean, bad. The Nuggets scored 163 points on them in regulation in Denver, yeah. I will never forget that day. Iverson was still on the team. Um, that was a terrible, terrible Sonics team. But they put the ball in Durant's hands constantly. And he was when skinny, gangly. Well, I mean, he's not much stronger now, but he's, he's, he's filled out. He's an adult, you know. And one of the reasons Michael Porter Jr. doesn't have a better handle is because the ball's never in his hands. And the only way you can get better on your handle is if you have the ball in your hands all the time. And I don't remember Durant being that accomplished with the handle because if you remember in college, he, they played him at center. At Texas, he was a center. And uh, I... Well, he was Rick, a spot-up shooter at Texas, too. I mean, yeah. he was, you know, throw the ball at Durant, shoot it, because no yeah. one's even getting close to being up to block it. And that is why uh, it took him a while, but he was on that thing. But um, um, Porter is on a very good team. And they are not going to be in a position where they're going to say, learn through putting the ball in your hands kind of thing. It's just, it's just not part in the cards. So he's going to have to do it on his own time. And 
The only player I remember in Nuggets history struggling a lot with his handle and not putting in the requisite work, uh, from what I understand, is Moutier. Um, and Moutier just – I never got better. And uh, I've never seen a player dribble that high in my life. There was a lot of things I was wrong about with Emmanuel Moutier. But that, that was one part of it. So there may be a point where he's just always a spot-up shooter like Clay Thompson, you know. Um, there's been several people who brought the, up the analogy that he, they remind, he reminds them of a six foot ten Clay Thompson. In my view, though, his size, he, he, you've got to take advantage of his size. And in that game five, I don't, I don't know if you were able to see the game five against Portland, they started posting him up because the guys who Portland had guarding him were C.J. McCollum and, and Norm Powell, who are both right. like six, C.J. 6'3", six, and uh, Powell's 6'4", six, 6'5", six, right around there. Well, Porter's like almost seven feet tall and he's got tons of length. All he has to do is get the ball in a spot and turn around, right? Even if they pushed, it'll be a foul. And that's what they started doing then. And I think that is one process that he's going to get to be learning to do that. And it kind of reminded me of Gallo and how Gallo used to be able to get mismatches in the post. He still does it. And being able to just say, oh, I, I'm, I'm six foot 10, you know, <laughs> You're not going to block my shot, so I'm just going to shoot. So maybe that maybe that's the key to unlocking uh, more for Michael Porter Jr. This is kind of the same thing with Gallo too. I mean, he's got kind of a sloppy handle, you know. Sometimes he would look phenomenal doing his herky jerky style through the through the lane, and sometimes he just lose the ball or get it stolen or fall on his ass and get free throws. And right. you know, just like let's not lose sight of the fact that Michael Porter Jr. is going to get better and better. I mean. I don't know how you feel about his mindset and his mentality. And unfortunately, you know, I'm, I'm not around to talk to him or get to know him, but if he's got any kind of mindset like a Jamal Murray or a Nikola Jokic, and I would think from being who he is that and, and showing that he has gotten better and, you know, during his NBA career already, that he is going to get better. Like LeBron James wasn't a post player until, you know, four or five years into the league, Carmelo, kind of the same thing. Gallinari, like you said, kind of the same thing. Like, yeah, you can take advantage of mismatches because who the hell are you going to have guard him when you got, you know, if they're able to keep Aaron Gordon, you have Jokic already, you have Jamal, like this team's going to be unguardable at some point, you know, like. What do you think about Gordon? It's kind of, uh, it's so tough because it just feels like the Nuggets are just, you know, you have Millsap, you have Jeremy Grant, you have Gordon, like you're just mm -hmm. trying to find a guy that can really fit that role. And I like Gordon. I, I like the fact that he is like, you know, pretty athletic. I feel like I kind of felt like there were some times where I wanted him guarding Dame a little bit more here and there in stretches, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, versus Michael Porter Jr. on some certain, certain plays here and there. But um, yeah, I think you just have to be okay with the fact that he's going to be, you know, kind of a bit offensive player, but if he's willing to be, you know, if he can be that more of a lockdown defender, it's like, well, I don't know how you, I don't know how you pay that guy and pay this entire team. He was, <laughs> he was 2014, right? That was his, his draft class. As if I remember correctly, cause he went fourth. If, if, if memory serves, it was 2014 because the next year Orlando drafted uh, Mario Hazonia and we know how wrong I was on that one. Um, <laughs> a lot. I, I, 
uh, there was a lot of talk about maybe Gordon slipping a little bit in that draft and if Denver could get up there and get him or if he would fall to Denver. I mean, there is, there is a lot of interest between, not a lot, but there was some interest, it seemed like, between the Nuggets and Gordon at that point in time. I think you and I actually were know for a fact that they did express liking of him. Um, and I think it was uh, – they were impressed with his defense. And I think that's kind of why he's here, right? And he's not here to be um, a guy who's going to put up 20 points a game. They, they want him to be the deep, versatile defensive dude. And I think that had one of the reasons, and that's why it's so disappointing that Jamal went down the way he did. Um, they were on a, on a massively upward track after that trade because it meshed immediately. And he provided the Nuggets with something they didn't have. And it was kind of like that missing piece. So when Jamal went down, it's like, oh, but he still serves the same purpose. I don't need Aaron Gordon to uh, light up the scoreboard. Uh, if he's able to hold it down, get rebounds, uh, chip in, you know, 12 to 14 points a game and uh, be able to play very good defense against some premium uh, players on another team, I'm all for it because I think he's going to play a big factor next round against the uh, the Suns. I think he is the key. It's so funny how much this Nuggets team, you know, is different but mirrors that Gallinari, Iguodala, Wilson Chandler – Ty Lawson team. I mean, you had, you know, you bring in Iguodala, he almost fits in seamlessly with what the Nuggets had going on. They needed a guy that could play defense and provide some more playmaking. They didn't right. really need him to score. Gallinari goes down. All of a sudden, you need Iguodala to score more, and it's like, ah, this is not really what you want. But yeah, then you have this next round with Phoenix. This is going to be fun because there is so much talk, um, you know, when Devin Booker was drafted and then when Jamal gets drafted, they're like, can Jamal be, you know, as good as Devin Booker? Devin Booker is going to be this amazing player. And I didn't totally see it with Devin Booker. I'm like, I don't know. I liked him a lot. I was actually hoping Denver would maybe get a chance to draft Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where he went in relation to where the Nuggets drafted. Um, uh, he went, uh, that was the Moutier draft, right? So he went uh, after they drafted Moutier. Did he, he go after? Like, yeah, he was like, yeah. 10, I think, 10 or 11 that year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't look so good in hindsight. Oh, but do, you, hey, do you remember his workout? Do you remember him talking to us at his workout? Yeah. Nice kid was asking about, I think, if I remember correctly, he was asking about places to eat. <laughs> Denver. Denver. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, he was a nice kid. I, 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 apparently, the media loves him in uh, uh, Phoenix. Uh, he's, he's apparently very good with him. But I mean, it's just like, it was like, I remember being impressed with how he was shooting. His shot was just pure. It's just amazing. I seem to remember him trying to like do some pretty fancy dunks too when he was in for his workout. And it was yep. like, I thought this, just shoot the ball, dude. It's all we need to see. It's like um, Zach Levine. Were you there for Zach Levine's workout? Oh, yeah. Me he went, and he went, salivating over his workout. Zach Levine, uh, who was that? Uh, I think Jordan, uh, uh, Jordan White was there, too. And uh, we, uh, I remember he did that around the, the back uh, dunk. It was a preview yeah. of what dunk that he would be doing in, in one of the dunk contests. And all of us yeah. were like, oh, my God. 
<laughs> I mean, he was just, yeah, he just floated through the air. He was incredible. Uh, this, the Phoenix team is crazy, man. Like, so obviously you have the, the biggest story, I think, from Phoenix's side is what the hell's up with Chris Paul's shoulder? How healthy is that thing going to be? He takes a hard spill in this Nugget series. Like, what's going to happen there? You know, like, you can even see him after a lot of those plays with the Lakers, you know, coming off the sideline, grabbing the shoulder and stuff. It's like, yeah, there's, is he going to get surgery after the season? How injured is this guy? How much a trooper is he for playing through this pain? Right. Um, and it's tough because it, things are kind of breaking right for Phoenix as well. You know, they mm -hmm. get Anthony Davis goes out. Maybe they get past the Lakers, even if they had Davis. I don't know. It was two to one. Yeah. It obviously helps. Chris Paul's never been to a finals, right? Right. You know, this is – he goes to this weird Suns team. You know, they got Campaign, who is all of a sudden an NBA player now, who looked like kind of a joke when he came into the league with the Thunder, even though there was some buzz around him. Dancing with Russell Westbrook, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, they got Jay Crowder, who – I don't know. How old is Jay Crowder now? Like 63 years old? He's been the <laughs> – it feels like. Uh, you know, and then you have DeAndre Ayton, like – Aiden's, Aiden's interesting. I, I kind of – I don't know, you know, what he's going to be able to do against – like, what's Phoenix going to do against Jokic? You know, and, and this could be, like you said, if Aiden is trying to match up on Jokic, Eric Gordon might score 40 a night just dunking the ball. Oh, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Um, the Nuggets are always going to have trouble with the guard play because they're missing three guards, their best defensive guard. And it's just going to be a problem. Um, this Phoenix team is not as accomplished in that area of guard play like Portland was. It's, it's different. Uh, you've got uh, Chris Paul, who's not going to look to score all the time. Like they, right, he's not going to 50. Yeah. And, uh, but Booker is the guy who's going to be scoring. And then, but he's the, the advent, advantageous thing with Booker is he's bigger than McCollum. And you could just put Gordon on him. And I think that would probably maybe not stop him, but it would slow him down enough to where, it, you know, other factors come in. Phoenix's big problem is not necessarily Aiden. Their, Phoenix's big problem is their backups. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. they've got Frank Kaminsky, uh, Frank the Tank, um, <laughs> backing him up. And Jokic looks at Frank the Tank and, and looks at him and it's like a big leg of barbecued chicken, right? And that's exactly what he is. A two liter of Coca-Cola. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just... <laughs> and that's, no, the, that's like the problem. That. that is the same problem that Portland had is because they're backups and because Jokic will outlast you. So you need a viable good backup, which is why I think in my theory, is one of the reasons it's not really my theory, but I think that is why Utah got Derek favors back is because they were like, we need someone to beat up on Jokic in the second unit. Um, but Phoenix, if you're running out Frank Kaminsky there, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. That's the problem. Uh, so when is Compazzo and Chris Paul going to get in a fist fight game one, game two, <laughs> I mean, you can see it when the Nuggets played the Nets that night when uh, Composo was just uh, – I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. He was driving Kyrie Irving insane. And Kyrie, I thought, was going to kill him at some point. Well, here's a, here, there, there you have a history, apparently, going back to the Olympics, that uh, uh, Paul did not like, did not like so the way that Composo guards. Um, 
Nobody uh, does. He's a movie. I'll so he's one. Yes, he's he's one of those guys that's always going. And NBA players hate guys who are all who are who are, who are ex, what, What's the common phrase people use now? Extra. He's very extra. Uh, that's right, just like the, talent makes up for it with effort. NBA right. players hate effort. Yeah, <laughs> they do. I mean, they they, they do. That's yeah. why that's why they always derisively talk about tryhards. <laughs> I mean, that's also why Phoenix had so much success because their team pushes the pace. They push. Yeah. They play it. A, a, a they're a very they're a pretty fun team to watch. You, know, you got Mikael Bridges traded on draft night. Supposed to go to Philadelphia with his mom. You know, it's this whole feel-good story. Right. They send Phoenix, uh, but that team plays. Phoenix plays hard. That's the only reason that they've had the success they've had this season. Chris Paul went in there, energized them, organized them. You know, not like Chauncey Billups, but obviously he's a Chauncey Billups-like player. He's a born leader. Got right. that team together. They went from mediocrity to you know the top seed in the freaking Western Conference, or one of the top seeds in the Western Conference. It's incredible. All right. Uh, you know, I just realized I need to read an ad for DraftKings. So we're going to take a break and I'm going to talk about uh, DraftKings on the other side. And then we will continue with some more Phoenix uh, Nuggets talk and some TV talk, which is why you're listening to this podcast with Nate Timmons. We'll be back right in a sec. Now is the time for me to talk to you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Um, I don't, like I pointed out in the last podcast, I'm, I am, I am risk averse, so I don't gamble, but there are a lot of people who do, and I do have family members and friends who gamble right now, and they do use DraftKings Sportsbook, and they're very happy with it. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but it is also America's top-rated sportsbook. Uh, I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention at $1, and if that team wins, you'll win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, excuse me, baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code MHS for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Isn't that, uh, isn't that some professional grade A reading of, uh, of ads right there, Nate? It's, uh, I might need to call that gambling hotline number, dude. These sports gambling apps, <laughs> I have, if their websites get better, it's because of the money I've donated to help them improve their websites. God, these, these guys are... It's fun. It's addicting, though. My even my my stepdad's on DraftKings. He loves it. Oh, I see. He's like, I, like betting on Rockies games, like basketball, like I'm like, I know he can bet on literally, you can bet on everything. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's the whole new world. This whole new world has been opened up to people, and it's so easy yeah, now. Fights, those are so fun <laughs> to bet too. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, I should, I really should 
I can't just keep giving these guys money. This is incredible. Well, you know that uh, uh, as soon as they opened it up in Colorado, table tennis was like everyone was betting on table tennis. I was betting on uh, Japanese baseball games. It's like, why not? Get this thing figured out. Dial it in. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! Um, so uh, finishing up on uh, yeah, give us our, your thoughts on Austin Rivers, man. I mean, come on. Uh, it's a great story. You know, I never liked Austin Rivers. Uh, I, I I didn't like him when he was in with the uh, the uh, the Hornets slash Pelicans. Uh, I thought he was. I didn't like him at Duke. Um, I just you know was not impressed with him. He was like he was like. Uh, he had the cockiness of J.J. Redick at Duke without having the requisite all-around talent. At least that's the way I thought. And um, I just I didn't like him. He came out and he was, you know, kept messing up. And he went to the, he went to the Clippers and, you know, had an up-and-down time there. Then he went to – what did he go after that, Houston? His own father traded him, I think, didn't he? Yeah. Yes, he did. I, like, I don't even like him. Get rid of him. <laughs> And you know what? He's impressed me since he's been here. And I think part of it is this Nuggets team needs an edge. Um, one of the things that I have noticed about this team is they need a guy who's going to bite back. And if anything that's going to uh, Austin Rivers, aside from, you know, hitting threes and uh, being able to handle the ball a little bit, um, is that he has enough swagger to bite back when people are pushing you around. And honestly, I think that part is something the Nuggets were missing before he got here. He's got some, some, like, some teeth to him. And, and I think that part actually is a productive element to this team. Because uh, you, need, you need guys like that. I mean, uh, uh, you, you need a guy to come in who, who uh, is not going to take shit. And you were, we were talking about Chris Paul and uh, all that. Do you remember – the 2009 first round when the Nuggets played the, the Hornets and Dante Jones spent the entire series getting under Chris Paul's skin. And it, that was his yeah. sole responsibility. I think that's the responsibility of Faku Campasso in this game. But I think also a little bit, it's going to be Austin Rivers too, is going to be his responsibility to annoy the crap out of Chris Paul. So let's say game seven, Suns Nuggets, 15 seconds left. Nuggets inbound the ball. They can only inbound it to one guy, Austin Rivers. He has the ball with 15 seconds left. He's dribbling right above the three-point line. Nuggets are down one. Jokic screaming for the ball. Does Rivers take the shot or does he pass it to the league MVP? What are you going to do, Austin Rivers? Pass the ball. <laughs> He wants to shoot it, though. He thinks he's going to make it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think this year he'll pass it. If he's on the team next year, he'll shoot it. I, th I, I, think, I think that is the dynamic that's at play here. Uh, like, Does no, he have a role with this team next year when you get Dozier, Barton, and Jamal back? I, here's the thing. I don't know what the deal is going to be with Barton next year. Is it, I, I don't know if it's a team option or a player option uh, that Barton has that's in the off season. Cause I'm, I'm fairly certain that Millsap probably won't be back. I, I, I mean, who knows, 
but they need to free up some money because Michael Porter Jr. is up for early extension. And <laughs> hey, Barton, yeah. see ya. See you yeah. later, Will. I got I think, awesome nerves. Yeah, see ya. I, maybe, maybe that's the so the cheaper solution. I'll be honest with you. Maybe that's it. Dude, we're, uh, we're also a couple of assholes for not mentioning. What I tell you to do before the game? Get twenty. Get twenty. What? Get twenty. We're gonna win. Monty Morris, baby. Oh yeah. Okay. Two point guard, Monty Morris. That's right. That's right. I forgot that you had texted me that. Um, he conveniently. Um, he uh, he stepped up in a way. You know what it reminded me of was kind of what Barton was trying to do after Jamal got in, injured. And Barton was trying to run these pick and rolls with uh, uh, Jokic at the end of games. And he was trying to simulate what they did with Jamal. The problem is Barton can't make a layup to save his life anymore. And what happened it, to Barton? So good around the rim, man. I, I don't know what happened. I think it's probably because he's still injured. Uh, and he was injured from last year. And he's still feeling the effects of that. And now he's double injured. I think that basically is – my fear, then that's, that's why he can't make a layup anymore. Um, but we got Stan Kroenke get his private plane, fly Barton down to Peru, and inject him with as many stem cells as humanly possible. <laughs> I need it. He needs them. <laughs> um, I think I, I think Monte is really good. He's got the hezzy. So when you've got that, you are pretty effective at getting to the basket. And I think that makes him more effective running that end of game pick and roll that with Jokic that Murray did. I'll be honest with you. Uh, because Barton just, just couldn't finish. He just could not finish. And that was one of the reasons their offense was so stilted. But I think with what Monte does and what they've decided their roles are now, because Paco starts the game and Monte finishes it. And I think that is a better dynamic for the team. And with Monte being able to finish at the rim and hit those floaters, uh, that really opened up Jokic tremendously at the end of the game. Tremendously. Well, Jokic taking that like 33 foot three right in Nurkic's face. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was, that was uh, right in his face. Yeah, he did. He just, he's just, <laughs> Jokic is on another level. I mean, he averaged 33 points a game in that series. It's insane. It's, a, it's insane. Did we, did we see any – who's the Blazer that was hurt? Is it Zach Collins? Zach Collins. Yeah, Zach yeah. Collins. Well, did we see any more of him with his hand gestures at uh, Jamal? What, what was that about? That's a Paul, that's a, that's a Paul Cleese boy from uh, Gonzaga. <laughs> right. He's a, he's a jerk. He's like uh, the uh, – he's kind of Josh Cronky role. He's the, uh, the villain, the 80s <laughs> movie villain. He's uh, he got that. Uh, I think uh, Josh had that hair, same haircut, too, if I remember correctly. That's yeah, he did. Uh, I would yeah. say, uh, jerk. Uh, I, I, I think, I think that uh, you know, Collins not being in there helped, um, because they didn't have another big to, I mean, they have Ennis Cantor, and Cantor's you know, was unplayable. Yeah, it's Ennis Cantor. <laughs> Yeah. How about, the, how about the Nuggets getting old uh, George Carl's boy, Terry Stotts, straight up fired after the series? Wow. Blazers blew it up. That's the second coach they got fired because uh, the other one was Doc Rivers uh, last year. 
for the uh, the Clippers. And then he and went then, to uh, – So then you got uh... – Go ahead. Well, what do you do if you're uh, Chauncey Billups? I mean, you got to hold out for that Celtics job, right? He's already being rumored to the Blazers. I'm sure Orlando's going to sniff around now that they're getting rid of Clifford. But dude, you go to you got to go to Celtics, Jason Tatum. If I was him, I would. Well, look, if yeah, if the Blazers want to get Jason Kidd, more power to them. By all means, have Jason Kidd coach your team. I <laughs> that helps the Nuggets. Have <laughs> Have Jason Kidd coach your team. But uh, Chauncey in Boston would make the most sense, I think. Um, yeah, he's got to get those young kids toughened up, man. Jalen Brown, Tatum. Well, yeah, I think he would be perfect for Jason Tatum. I think uh, that would be a match made in heaven. Um, it's going to be I don't... real interesting to see, too, what Brad Stevens does is the team press. I mean, he knows, like they've already said, you know, he's – He's already – he knows all these players so well. Yeah. He's going to be dumping guys left and right. You're going to really know what he thinks, you know. Well, that's why I keep thinking that Marcus Smart's going to be not long for the – long for the busted Celtics. Yeah, and I'm like – I was even kind of thinking, like, I mean, not that you necessarily want Marcus Smart, but I'm not a bad guy to come here to Denver. Too much money. You don't want him here. Yeah, I, I – honestly, the Nuggets are in uh, – they have to keep – they have to – I mean, with, at least in my view, that with Porter, they have to do what it takes to make him as close to a max extension as they possibly can get. And that would be three guys who are near max, and that's going to mean that this team is either going to have to go deep into the tax or they're going to have to make some sacrifices around the edges, and uh, this may be a situation where they're going to have to get cheaper contracts. Um, now that they can delay that a year, they can delay that a year with Porter still like being on his rookie contract next year. But after that, it's real dicey. Right. Freed up a little room, getting rid of Garris, but then you bring in Gordon. Yeah, NBA, it's expensive. It's expensive sport. Let's go, Cronkies. Said he wanted to pay for a for a title team. Here it is. Well, and keeping Gordon, I mean, he's got one more year yet left, I think. And then, yeah. uh, you know, who knows after that? So that's another one. Like they've got Nuggets got some decisions, man. They've got some decisions yeah. to make, and I don't envy them. You know, uh, I don't envy uh, uh, our boy uh, Ben Tenzer with uh, making making those cap decisions right there. About that, uh, I don't I don't know a ton about him. That uh, the rookie from Arizona. Uh, our power forward. Oh, like I got a career here. Uh, Zeke Naji. Yes, I mean, could he possibly be the replacement for Aaron Gordon if Gordon doesn't stick around? Maybe it depends. Uh, he got. I mean, he got more run this year than I was thinking that he would. Um. So maybe I. I he was pretty good early in the season. I was like, man, this kid can play. Yeah, he is – he's – you know, I, what I like about him, too, is that he can hit the three. You know, he, he, he seems to, like, he can step out and, and can, a, can a couple threes a game, uh, which, you know, if you're going to stretch out, you know, maybe everyone loves their stretch fours, if he can do that. But to be honest with you, it's kind of like another Aaron Gordon situation to where 
the guys primarily you would hope a guy who can lock, maybe not be a lockdown, but a, a guy who's going to be one of your primary defensive cogs, at least the way I look at him, you know? You got kind of a, so you sort of have a Vergeau body. Is he kind of a Vergeau type guy? A little bit I mean, smaller, maybe? They've got the, he's got the Vergeau hair, but. Uh... Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a key part of the Vergeau look is you have to have the hair. Yeah. Uh, um, so, okay. Uh, are any, any thought, any final thoughts on the, on the uh, uh, Phoenix series or is there anything, any, any kind of prediction you got, or are you, are you seeing the nuggets uh, another long series with this one? Man, I'm going nuggets and six, baby. Let's Woo. do this. Yes. Nuggets. That's what I and got to. Bring on either the Mavs, the Clippers, or the Jazz. Fuck the Jazz. <laughs> hate you. <laughs> Me too. People are like, why don't you hate Portland as much as you dislike Utah? And I said, I've dealt with bullshit from Utah for far too long. I, mean, I didn't yeah. deal with bull bullshit from Portland. I dealt with bullshit from from Utah since the nineties. I, I, I got, I got feelings that go back for 25 years against, uh, against those old jazz teams. So, um, all right. Now this is the reason people tuned into this podcast. Well, they, they want to know what you've been watching. All right. So like, tell me as your friend, the, the, what I should be watching right now on Netflix. Dude, I've gone beyond Netflix. I'm gone. I'm deep into Apple TV now. Oh wow, Apple TV, really? Going in Apple TV. I got uh, a recommendation from former Nuggets coach George Carl, and I've been killing Ted Lasso. <laughs> I've I'm heard that's you, really man, good. I've I've heard it's good. Incredible. Yeah. The first episode, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of a like a Disney PG." lame ass show and mm -hmm. then second episode absolutely hooked i mean it, it, each episode gets better and better ted lasso i think that has been a a consistent uh like that i've seen from people on twitter everyone likes their ted lasso so it's uh, a sport show but it's just very very positive and mm. there's just just a fun aura about it, but then there's all, I don't know. It's just great. Season two is coming out. I have a couple more episodes left of season one. Absolutely love Ted Lasso though. Jason, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Um, I've got, uh, what have I been watching? On, uh, oh, there's a show on Netflix called uh, uh, Ragnarok. Uh, it is. Norwegian? Yeah. Where is it? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, I just it, saw the previews for it. It looks incredible. Oh, it is really, really good. It is. It is. It's. 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 It's interesting. It's not your typical, um, super powered thing that you see. It's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more in depth to it. And it's. Uh, and I highly recommend it. It's really, really good. I'm on season two right now, so it's. Uh, well, there's only two seasons, but uh, it's really good. I, I highly, highly recommend that. I threw it on my watch list last week because it looked good. Dude, I don't know what the Norwegians are doing. They got some good TV shows over there. They I've do. I've seen a couple of Norwegian shows the last year that I've been like, this is, these are incredible. Well, like there was another one that I can't remember. It's about uh, a, how, 
the a the Russians taking over Norway, um, and it, it man, I wish I could remember the the, the name of the, the show, but it was really good, and it was another one of those Norwegian shows. I was like, man, that's we're maybe we're missing out on Norwegian theater. It's kind of like uh, how Koreans make good uh, horror movies, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching some Korean uh, zombie shows. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you see Train to Busan? Which one? Train to Busan. No. Oh, I'm I see that. You have to see Train to Busan. It's one of the best, uh, one of the best horror movies uh, I've seen in the last, you know, 20 years. It's really good. Really? Yeah. Train to Busan. I'm going to watch that one. Um, do, are you an Amazon Prime watcher? Yeah. Uh, have you seen Zero, Zero, Zero? I have. I yeah, have. Really, I That's watched that good. maybe two years ago, I feel like. It was killer. You remember that movie that you and I, I made you watch and we talked about on, uh, on, the, on, on the podcast, Creep Show? Remember that? Yeah, Creep Show, yep. It's, it's a TV series, too. And uh, <laughs> they turned it into a TV series. And oh, really? It is so good. It is so good. But I like intentionally campy things. So it is, uh, yeah. it is, it is, if you are like, it, and I don't know if Nate Timmons is here, I doubt it. But if you're into that sort of thing, I definitely would check out Creepshow. It's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. The other uh, Apple TV one that I'm into right now, I'm only like five episodes in, is The Morning Show. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, Mark Duplass. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Is that uh, what's that about? I think it's, what, from what I've been told, it's loosely kind of the Matt Lauer Today Show story. Steve Carell being the Matt Lauer. Oh, okay. So based on a true story like Law & Order. There's some, there's some hashtag, a lot of hashtag me too going on in this thing. I see. I see. Uh, that's interesting. Um, trying to think of another one I've seen. Uh, you know, like Jennifer Aniston is, she has done a great job. I don't see her, even though they don't really change her hair that much because she's just has to keep her same, same kind of hairstyle. You don't see Rachel Green from Friends. Like she plays this really kind of a jerk and it's okay. she does a really good job. It's it's pretty good. Well, she's uh, I she every time I think of her is actually it's Friends and then Office Space. She she was she was in Office Space, so I'm like got that like you're not wearing you know forty pieces of flair. <laughs> yeah, Billy Crudup's in that show. Billy Crudup and Jennifer Aniston both fifty two years old. Oh my God, really? Reese Witherspoon. 45. Oh my God. She's my age. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I, I just, it, it, it super is wild. Uh, super wild. And then I watched um, <laughs> Amazon Prime Invincible. Oh, killer. That's good. Yeah. It's, uh, the animated. Did you see it? Yeah, I did. I did. It's, it, it, here's the oh. thing. Here's the thing about, here's the thing about this pandemic. It's forced me to watch more TV than I ever really wanted to watch, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, now that, like, I'm, I've been fully vaccinated for a month now, 
So I'm trying to inch my way out into life. And I do mean inch my way out into life. And I, I just like, a, one of the things I remember, uh, like that struck me is that you just get used to a pattern of watching something every day. You know, you watch, like load up the Hulu, load up the Prime, load up the Netflix, you know, uh, Tubi, you know, any, any of the streaming services I got out there. And so you end up watching all this stuff. And I swear to God, I reached the end of Netflix. Like I could not watch any more. <laughs> you have to get like the, uh, I've heard like there's, you can unlock by getting like a foreign address and unlock like the, uh, the foreign Netflix. Oh, and they got th stuff on there. We don't have, we don't get here, which is, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it, it's like, maybe, maybe that's a sign I need to get out more. I, I honestly, honestly, that's, that is one of those things because I mean, I, like Hulu, I've been watching old episodes of a show that called The Guardian uh, that had uh, Thomas Jane in it and uh, um, not Thomas Jane. Um, he played that, that was his character in that. I forget the guy's name. And Dabney Coleman uh, played his dad. He was like this uh, drug. Uh, um, it was a, a show on CBS in like the early 2000s. And uh, he was a, a lawyer that was like on probation for drug offenses. So he has to represent, what, as well as doing a corporate attorney job, he has to represent kids uh, like in group homes and stuff like that. And uh, it's actually pretty good. And I remember watching it years ago, you know, when I was uh, in my early 20s. And I started watching it again. And then it dawned on me. It's like, why am I watching something I saw 22 years ago? Like, holy yeah. shit, right? <laughs> what, what has I been reduced to? <laughs> yeah. I started watching on Netflix, too. I started watching, uh, I think it's called Yasuki. It's about the uh, black samurai in, uh, I think, in maybe Japan, maybe hmm. China. I don't remember which one. It's pretty good. Animated series, kind of weird, but. Is it, uh, is it like anime? Yes. Yes. Which I didn't really, but like you said, I feel like I've watched so much stuff. I'm like, I guess I'll give anime a try now. I haven't really watched <laughs> this. <laughs> well, there, there is, uh, uh, there's actually some good anime movies, but uh, the thing about watching like a lot of the anime films is that you have to train yourself to get more into Japanese thought. And because they, they approach life and culture completely differently from Western people. So you have to kind of like adjust your brain to to where the, the like kind of their point of view and that's where i'd like like i can do it but i'm gonna have to like not look at it like some white guy sitting in you know colorado in 2020, 2020 you know i have to like start like getting into it and absorbing it like like that and that's why i don't do it because it's hard for me not to be this you know mid-40s white dude <laughs> so. um. This is true. Yeah, I just got my, uh, as we talked before the podcast, just got my second vaccine shot today. You no did? So far. Congratulations, yeah. sir. Now, but you've been working through through the pandemic, right? Yeah, it's it's so, uh, it's so strange um, because my life just didn't really change. It didn't really get disrupted that much. And we were out there the whole time working through the pandemic. And it was like, it, the weird part was really seeing uh, like where I was in a really busy part of Southeast Aurora, just no traffic, like being able to drive across like Montview, Colfax, 
pure, like all these streets with just no traffic anywhere. Like it was like, Oh my God, like you almost felt like you're in like a zombie apocalypse, you know, type of oh, world wow. or something Wow. for a couple of weeks. It was strange, very strange. Uh, but yeah, then I, I you know, I, I was watching, uh, <laughs> I was watching couples therapy on uh, Showtime, I believe. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you saw this, there was a girl that had opened up like an art studio in, in New York and, you know, she had to shut it down. And, you, you know, I see so many stories and like of yourself, of course, you know, like I'm following you on Twitter and, you know, you're talking about, I got to get out of my house. And, you know, and I'm like, for me, I was, it, it's strange because I just, you know, didn't really been out there the whole time well yeah i mean particularly did you now were you ever worried about like getting sick while you were out um when it when everything was first going on yeah because we just didn't know anything you know and then you started going to the grocery stores and people are wearing like gloves and masks and you're wearing bandanas and you're trying to figure out like what's safe and do i you know put the groceries do i take them out of my car but leave the bags in the car like how is this thing what's happening uh and yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're everybody, I think everybody's worried about it at the start, you know, you just didn't know what it was going to be like. And you're like, God, we're kind of exposed out here because we're being asked to, to work through this with no information. Right. So you did right. feel, you know, kind of worried about it, even though, you know, we did have protections, but you're like, I don't know how, you know, protective this, these measures are that we're taking, you know, and you just don't know it's airborne and, yeah, it's, you, get, you get definitely worried. And I never had it to my knowledge. Maybe I was an asymptomatic carrier at some point because I knew a lot of people that had it. I knew people that had even gotten it multiple times now. So, really? well, yeah, just twice, you know, in a few, wow. a few cases. Uh, had some friends that had it that were like super sick, you know, for, you know, a week here or there. And then you hear stuff about like Jason Tatum talking about how he, you know, he still doesn't feel completely right physically and everything. And it's like... I mean, we were kind of talking about it before. Like, everybody's affected differently by everything, it feels like. So it's like, man, it's pretty scary. Well, I'll tell you, man, I, I am fortunate in the sense that I was able to stay isolated enough in a situation where I didn't have to worry a, lot, a ton about having to get into the public, basically put it that way. And, uh, but what it did was like this isolation is just like, it really works on you because it like makes you suspicious of everything. And that's one, one thing I'm not used to, you know, I've, I've said this on the podcast too, you know, uh, it just, it's not something I'm used to. I'm a pretty fairly social person and I, I can get along with everyone. And I went to the first Nuggets game as a media member, uh, the first game of the playoffs, I've been vaccinated fully vaccinated and I could not get comfortable. I was just not comfortable. I was wearing a mask. Everyone around me was wearing a mask and I was just fucking paranoid the entire time. And it was like, I I gotta get out of this mindset. I gotta just like retrain my brain to normal life. And that's, that's been the process I've been trying to go through, you know, because it's just, you don't get used to this sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I was, uh, you know, when everything started, I was living with my sister as I was, you know, having my house built and going through the home buying process, but still staying with my sister. And then, you know, my sister was like, you're going to bring this home to me, you know, cause she was, you know, she had shut down her travel and was trying to stay isolated and I'm still out there. So there was the worry of me coming back and bringing it to her. And then she couldn't go anywhere cause I was around and, 
you know, then being like my parents, like, well, how do I, I can't see my parents. Well, I definitely, I, I finally had seen my grandma for the first time in like a year, uh, just a few weeks ago after she had been vaccinated and everything. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was really strange from that sense too. Cause you're like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be the one that's going to give it to one of my family members or something. So let me, you know, stay away since you guys are all kind of isolated, you know, trying to figure all that out. And mm. Yeah. It's, it's hard, fucking weird, you know, it's hard, man. But now that you're, no. now that you'll be fully vexed, I mean, in two weeks, you're going to like, you know, it's, it's weird taking off. I mean, I, I've been going in the grocery stores for like the last two weeks, which I didn't do at all. I did curbside and had delivery done. And, um, after getting over the initial awkwardness of it, it's fine. And I, I, I'm, I'm fine. And now that I'm fully vaccinated, I kind of know that, okay, well, at least if quote unquote, I get it, the chances of me getting actually super sick are nil. And so I'm okay with that. And, but getting around people like in a packed situation, like you seeing these, some of these videos that of some of the bars around town like it's like they're packed in like sardines and it makes me twitchy you know like <laughs> my eye starts twitching i'm like oh my god I, I, how are you doing this you know yeah because it's that tough balance where i mean everybody's obviously feel to, everybody's obviously free to feel however they want about it and it's like um you want to live but you want to mitigate risk and it's like how do you get to that balance of like well i still want to be able to live my life and well i don't know how like how full board we go into everything and it's just everything's just crazy and it's like our, now that everybody's getting vaccinated i mean i've seen tweets of 50 percent of the u.s might now be vaccinated or maybe more than that now because that was a few days ago and it's like all right are we going to get back to normal or are we going to see these huge spikes again what's going to happen you know it's like ah oh, man this is what a you know, who would have seen this coming five years ago, you know? Like, right. Well, say, I guess, some of these medical experts, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot to talk about these uh, coronaviruses taking over the world at some point, but, yeah, it's crazy. I went to, um, we actually went to Comedy Works a couple weeks ago. Did you? And you're still, you know, masked inside, but the best part about going to Comedy Works was they had it, you know, socially distanced. So we're at Comedy Works South, and usually you're in there shoulder to shoulder with people, but now they have tables, you know, six feet apart or whatever. And there's not that many people in there. And I was like, this is phenomenal. Like, this is actually <laughs> a very comfortable situation to go to a comedy show. in. Like, I would encourage everybody to go get tickets to go to Comedy Works. Like, if they're still doing this spaced out, like, this is, you know, obviously businesses. I mean, you know, for our friend, Andrew Feinstein, you know, he was, right. you know, obviously our restaurant industry, bars and everything have, have suffered greatly. A lot of, a lot of businesses, a lot of people, a lot of individuals, but... Yeah, it's kind of, and then the the whole thing with the NBA bubble, like the success that they had there, like how incredible mm -hmm. is that looking back? Like, wow, they really didn't have any, you know, Major League Baseball type craziness going on. And well, yeah, NFL, it, it, the Broncos didn't have a game. Well, that's because it was like a prison, basically. I mean, that's the way they had to treat it in order to not be able to bring in all the virus and stuff like that. You know, I was just thinking about the all these businesses. I mean, I mean, take take for example the Western Slope of Colorado they've got that new variant was like running rampant through the entire Western slope and particularly Mesa County. You go to the Denver where, you know, it's like night and day. Most of the people in the Denver Metro area are at least the, the majority of, I would say most of the population in the Metro area is vaccinated. 
So you can go out and think the chances of someone being vaccinated are pretty high. You go out west and uh, only 30% of Mesa County is, is vaccinated. Yeah. And I, it's like, I, how would you go to a restaurant? Like, I, I, I just don't know how you would do it. And that is what kills restaurants, you know? And I was thinking about Andy. It's like, he's had, he, has a, he runs a nightclub. And he runs a, you know, event center and the guys had to struggle through uh, 15 months of this. I mean, I mean, this is just sucked in general for everyone. And I'm kind of glad that we're seeing a point where everyone can get out because look, the, I mean, concerts are coming back too, you know, concerts right. are being booked constantly right now. I'm seeing comedians now on uh, Instagram releasing tour dates and they're going, you know, all over the country and someone going outside the country and stuff. And it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, I don't, know. I don't know what to think about everything. Well, all I know is this. I, I, I actually have not seen Nate in person for two years. I think uh, 2019 was the last time I saw you. I went down to your sister's house and we recorded. Yeah, we did the podcast in the big honey shirts. That's right. The, we did. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that. Um, and that's the last time I saw you in person. I have uh, now. If Ross Martin does exist, okay, he's he he, he's, he is not a figment of our imaginations. Just right. I. It is not me doing an impression of Ross uh, on the old episodes. This is Ross is a fully formed human being, uh, and I have not seen Ross for. Five years? I did see a, a video on Instagram of this kid lighting off a rocket. And, I saw uh, that. You know, I saw Ross's wife, and then there was a picture, and Ross was in it. I was like, he's still alive. He's still here. <laughs> he, he's still around. Not that he's still alive from years ago. Like, we didn't know what happened to him when he left the podcast to try to obtain ownership of a sports franchise. That was the last we saw of him. That's right. That's right. He's been on assignment for five, for five years, uh, six years. Um, what we're going to need to do is, uh, Nate and I were kind of, disc you know, talking before the podcast, but I was thinking about this myself, you know, it's been 10 years of CSG. So I'm planning on doing like a whole bunch of things in October for the 10th anniversary, like getting like the, the, all the highlight guests back, uh, for the 10th anniversary celebration. So basically okay. that would be Tim Connolly and Nate Timmons and Ross Martin <laughs> and Steve Gorman. Um, <laughs> Why Wilson Chandler out here. Let's get him yeah, back on the show. Get Wilson. I'll see if I, I can get hold of Wilson. But, you know, you have his 10th anniversary celebration and stuff like that. But it's like, it's so much easier for me to do it now because of the Zoom. So right. it's like people don't have to leave your homes. Uh, you don't have to, have to do any of that stuff. You can just link on video and there we are. We can record. So maybe that's... Maybe that's the future of podcasting, Nate. Yeah, I was watching. Uh, I was watching uh, last year's Hard Knocks between the Chargers and the Rams, and they were doing you know their Zoom calls on there. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh man, I don't know how that went when you have like 20 guys on a Zoom call. You know, like that's got to just be you know, like hurting cats to a certain degree as well. You know, hurting what, cats. What happened to uh, Skype? Like Skype really screwed up with this. I mean, where did Zoom just came out of nowhere? Like these guys just dominated. Yeah, it was. It's more user friendly, Skype. Skype is not. Um, right. Like they screwed up. And that's, that's where they screwed up. And you, I mean, when I did my radio show last year, I linked on via Skype to the studio, uh, but just the audio. 
So I, I spoke while through Skype into the radio station and it was, it was good enough, but that's the only thing I've used Skype for. I mean, and Skype was the big thing. That was the video conferencing for, for everyone. And it's just been taken over by zoom. I, 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 I can't, I don't even know why. I don't even know why. It's crazy. They just figured it out. Yeah, they did. Facebook kicked MySpace to the curb, you know? There's always something coming around. Spotify was like, hey, Pandora, get the hell out of here. We're in now, you know? Pandora, uh, Groove Shark. Um, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio and all those, all those streaming services. Although I still use Apple Music, so. Kleenex took over at one point for the tissue industry. Like, get out of here, whatever other brands are. We're just getting Kleenex now. They were using pieces of tree to wipe their nose. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, on as hard as they can, but you know, nobody says, "Hey, go get a puffs." It's not, I'll go get a Kleenex. You know? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, well, Nate, uh, it's been great having you on again. Um, I'll have to, like I said, I'll have to have you come back for the the tenth anniversary. I may make you watch a movie you don't want to watch again, and to do another one of our movie podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, I'm down for that. I'll um, just try to make it a movie from sometime in the last like 15 years. <laughs> more, more prone to want to rewatch one of those. Uh, and go, go Nuggets, go Abs, baby. Go Nuggets. Ruby. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your uh, yeah, the the Abs loss? I mean, I don't know anything about hockey, so you can inform me about this. But uh, how good is this Abs team? I mean, they're winning the series, but they're kind of getting their asses kicked against the Knights. Like mm. the last like probably four or five periods have been just dominated by the Knights and really? the abs are hanging on because the Knights love to hit the post when they shoot and Grubauer is worth every cent that he's making. Um, but abs have some fun players, man. They have a guy named Timmons on their team, but it's INS, you know? Oh, geez. Strange. I'm like, so I'm trying to tell people like I obviously had Lawrence Timmons of the Steelers. He was my cousin. And then I have this guy, Timmons. I'm like, well, when his family immigrated over from, you know, Scotland or Ireland or wherever, they just didn't spell the name right. You know, <laughs> it's INS instead of ONS. But he is still my cousin, so okay, he's good. good. All Timmons are, are Nate Timmons' cousins. It's, you're all related somehow. It's like all Mortons are, are somehow the same Morton. Um, Craig Morton. <laughs> Craig Morton. Um, Morton Salt, you know. Yeah. Morton Downey Jr. Um, Morton Downey Jr. <laughs> Uh, all right well uh anyway thanks nate um and we'll we'll have you on uh again and we'll 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 ramble on like we always do on our podcast are the nuggets gonna beat the suns you didn't give me i said no yeah no i said nuggets and six too yeah i said i was gonna do that too uh because i had i i had nuggets and six over the blazers um even though i didn't believe it I was telling people they were go- it was going to go seven after game five. And of course, uh, of course there was egg in my face after that, but uh, we won't, we won't, we, there's no need to bring that up again. So, but yes, uh, n- nuggets in six and uh, go Western conference finals against uh, probably Utah. Uh, we'll see if Luca didn't have like a broken neck or whatever, it could be Dallas. You know? Isn't that pinched nerve or something like that? It's like going down his going down his arm. Like they've got the tape going all the way up his neck. I don't know if you saw that in the last game. It's like, right, yeah, so he man. couldn't feel his fingers. I'm like, this guy's playing with cracked vertebrae or something. This guy's Jeez. incredible. I don't know how he did that. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Uh, see all you all. Right. See you guys later.